Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. MT will be joining us in a couple of minutes here, but with me per usual, our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? It's going well, man. The Warriors just ended up with the second pick in the drafts, and we're going to be joined by our draft expert, Kristen Peak in just a moment here. But, Maxime, I wanted to spend, I don't know, man, five, six minutes at least breaking down what our initial reactions were uh, having watched it because we've been looking forward to this draft the whole year, like figuring out at least what position they would have. Um, and you and I, in fact, got to watch it together. So let's start here. How early in our kick it session did you realize I was wearing swimming shorts as opposed to underwear because I just wasn't able to do any laundry? You know, I think it's more of a, a fashion feature than a detriment because they were both shades of blue. Uh, so you're bringing this like monochromatic thing. And really, if you hadn't told me about it, I would have just thought that you were actually suddenly more fashion hip than I'd given you credit for. Well, that, you know, I, I love you for saying that, but just a lie, just blatant lie to bring everybody up to speed. Obviously, we had to hang out in the backyard and I let Maxime in through the side gate. We walk back there. We all sit down. And as I sit down, I look down and realize that my regular shorts, the shorts you're supposed to see, and just above my knee, and then the swim shorts I'm using for underwear go at least an inch below. And it's just the most ridiculous look you could possibly have, man. But I digress. Nobody wants to know about my lack of fashion sense. Instead, they want to talk warriors. And at least give me your... Um, the roller coaster of emotions that you went through as we watched the reveal uh, and to allow you to, to put your thoughts together, I'll go first. I forgot how nerve wracking that whole situation was. I mean, there was a period of time, man, where the draft reveal was the most important part of every Warriors fans mm. year for years and years, but we've been kind of away from that, you know? So one, I just, I didn't remember the stress associated of that envelope slowly opening. Once it happened, I was crazy happy all the way through the commercial break between five and four. Then I was like super disappointed only for a hot second, but super disappointed when they revealed two as opposed to one. It was like coming one number away from having like a mega millions jackpot, you know, like we still won a lot and it's great, but we were just, we were right there. So I was a little disappointed, but then finally, after we got a couple of seconds to really think about it and I was able to, uh, to bask in the knowledge that swimming shorts provides me, man, I realized, I think this might be the best case scenario with Minnesota going number one. They probably now have enough talent next year to stay out of the top three. 
And if they had gotten the top three pick next year, the Warriors wouldn't actually be able to take their selection. So that helps them. But I don't think it makes them good enough to skip out of the lottery. So by getting number two, the Warriors not only remain in the top half of this draft, but they really help themselves next year, too. So, you know, all said and done, I think I'm fired up. Yeah, I feel you. I was I was chatting with my friend about that take. Uh, shout out to my boy Russ regarding whether or not Minnesota getting the number one pick is to our benefit or not. And his concern, um, which I hear, is that something like an Anthony Edwards might actually boost them so much that that pick value drops, you know, even out of the top five, even out of the top eight. Uh, But I don't buy it. I don't think that rookies can add that much value, or at least an Anthony Edwards. This draft is not dense enough with great players to add the level of impact that like Luka Doncic has brought um, in his rookie season. So overall, I'm right there with you. And I got to say, I I forgot multiple times, every single time he pulled the card out of the envelope that we were looking at a TV screen. And I was like sort of like ducking my head down to try to like catch a glimpse at the the team's logo before he actually said the name and pulled the card up. Uh, and every single time, I just couldn't see it before he said it. But I wanted that split second of knowledge before the general public. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Well, and if you mean that you were trying to use x-ray vision, I think I understand what you're describing, but I definitely wasn't trying to look through the envelope. I mean, I would like to have that ability, but no, I was not sharing that experience as it was going down. (laughs) I don't mean so much looking through it, but trying to, you know, as okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh, And a quick shout out to your boy, Russ. The one thing we have heard over and over and over and over and over again, although we'll run this by Christian is that this draft doesn't feature a Zion. It doesn't feature someone who can take a team like Minnesota, put them on their shoulders, and transform them out of the lottery. So, I mean, we'll find out. I mean, maybe Edwards, after they do in fact pick him, will change the complexion of next year's uh, next year's lottery teams. But I don't, you know, the, the, the suggestion, at least what we've heard so far, that's not something we have to worry about. I tell you what, man, I wasn't the only person who was happy. You're not the only person who is happy with the Warriors ended up with the second pick, perhaps the most important person out there uh, was happy about it, and that's Bob Myers. Here's what uh, Bobby had to say. Oh, I'm thrilled. I mean, I mean, look, I, I kind of my wife was said, "You need a drink. You look a little nervous." <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's one of those deals where you obviously you have nothing to do with it, but you know, chance is always good, right? I mean, it's good to have a little luck on your side, and uh, knowing that it could have been five. Or four or three, two is two is fantastic. I mean, clearly one is what everybody wants, but two is great. We're thrilled, and um, Steph Steph delivered again. We, our debt to Steph Curry gets bigger. Okay, I want to invite Kristen in and figure out who the Warriors can actually pick up with this pick. But first, let me ask you this: What's your immediate instant impression? Because I feel like the Warriors have what I'll call three options. They can stay right at the top, use their pick at number two and bring in hopefully a difference maker. They can trade down because we keep hearing that this draft, while not top heavy, is at least middle deep, you know, so they can trade down to, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight range and pick somebody there. Or they can trade this pick entirely, uh, package it up with somebody like Wiggins and then go after an established star. So we've got a lot of months to figure this out, but right now, today, if you had to choose one of those three options, which way are you leaning? 
Uh, I'm leaning towards getting out entirely and going for an established star. It just feels like, again, I'm no draft expert, but I'm going to trust the experts that say that it's a weaker draft, and we'll see if that's still how Kristen feels about it in a second. But to me, let's go for it. You know, Steph is um, getting close to the end of his runway. I think we really want to capitalize it. And let's not forget that it doesn't matter how good we could win the championship next year, and we still have the potential to get a top five pick in 2021 in a much more loaded draft. So I say we go for it as hard as we can. We look at any trade package available for that pick. If that means moving down, great. If that means moving out entirely, I'm fine with that too. Here's a far more important question and probably one I should have asked you almost immediately. Have you ever reached out to Golden State and offered them your x-ray vision? Because I mean, I'm not sure how it could help, but I bet you it can't hurt them. I mean, like if nothing else, they can look into other teams' playbooks, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it, has that been on the table at all or you've been kind of selfish in keeping that in pocket? Definitely selfish. I'm, I'm you it's know, weird. I, I was waiting to um, announce that I had this skill. And at this point, it's going to the highest bidder. So, KD, if um, as you're listening, go ahead and let everybody know that this is an option that's on the table for them. So, so far, you've only tried and failed using it in draft reveal selections. Am I right? Uh, I, um, no comment. No comment. No, fair enough. I appreciate that. Uh, I am with you as far as the trade. Um, I have done nothing but been uh, underwhelmed by who is in this draft. Maybe Christian will change that entire thing. But the way I at least understand it now, if they can go out and get an established superstar, not a role player, but somebody like Joel Embiid, I'm on board for that. But uh, let's talk to people who know way more than us. Let's get Marcus involved and welcome in Christian Peake. It is my great pleasure to announce that rejoining us after far too long, a veteran member of Yahoo Sports, where she's covered the Olympics, the Super Bowl, the Final Four, UFC title fights, and college basketball specifically for the last half decade, an NBA draft guru, an expert, and just the perfect person you want to talk to if your team just landed the second pick in the NBA draft, Miss Kristen Peake. What's going on, Kristen? Can I tell you how happy I am that the draft lottery is finally here? We waited 93 days for this. So I'm, I'm happy now that the lottery is set. We got the draft coming up in October. It's been a long time coming, but I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> 93 days. I feel like I've been waiting for new Warriors things to talk about for like 93 years. The <laughs> fact that like I actually had something that could honestly impact the Warriors going on last night was like having like a surprise birthday party. It was just so awesome having real things that immediately impact me. And in fact, well, then, and then you have your point guard that shows up in cornrows. Like even that was like, okay, what? okay. not just cornrows that. So as the thing was happening, right. I mean, I was, I'm so nervous about it. I'm so excited to figure out where they are. And then we get to see Steph out of nowhere. And for those 45 seconds that they were talking to Steph before they actually announced what the picks were, I was so excited to see him. And it wasn't just because having Steph back in my life, he looked motivated as hell Christian, excuse my language, but maybe my favorite part of the draft reveal was the unmistakable F you look in Steph Curry's eyes. And, and maybe this is me projecting, but it seems like he's heard all these people taking shots at his legacy and he is ready to go. So yeah, I was excited to see him, the cornrows, the, the tan, the whole nine yards. Just good to have <laughs> Okay, Curry you say, up. you say fired up. 
I say bored, but we'll go with fired up. That's, I, I that's mean, fine. I didn't go with fired up. I went with a f- you look in his eye, Christian. I mean, you're immediately undermining here. I, I really yeah. thought that he was in, just so excited for it. He was definitely fired up. He was fired up. That a boy. And I, I will quickly announce our expert in reading people's body language and whether or not they're <laughs> excited. Mr. Marcus Taylor. Uh, Kristen, you can already hear from my voice how excited we are to have you. That's always true. Um, you are phenomenal on this show every time you come on. But maybe more so than any other time, your content, your knowledge, your experience is crazy important right now because we finally know what pick the Warriors will have. So I want to talk to you about what Golden State can do with the pick. And from what I can tell, that issue breaks down into three questions. Uh, what the Warriors can get if they stay at two, who the Warriors can get if they trade down with another team like the Knicks or something and they take uh, a role player and then they get the eighth pick, or finally three, what established NBA guy would they be able to get if they just traded out of the draft altogether? And I don't want to speed through these questions and maybe even more than that, I don't want to waste any content, Christian, because I love having you and we don't have enough stuff to talk about. So for today, what we're going to do is focus on that first question, whom the Warriors can get at the top half of the draft. And hopefully we'll be able to answer those, those next two at a later date. So let me start here, focusing on the top half. The last time we spoke we were talking to you about whether or not there was one player in this draft who had separated himself from anybody else. And I know that there's not a Zion. I get that there's not a difference maker who everyone's been looking forward to for years. So my question isn't, is there somebody we know to be a surefire all-star? I'm asking, is there one player now who is definitely the number one pick in this draft? Someone who's better than the rest of the class? No. The answer is still no. <laughs> is there um, a top tier? Like, is there some break after like the top three or hopefully the top two or, or anything like that? Like, are there, are there identifiable levels in this draft? Honestly, uh, when we spoke, when was that? March, I would have said yes. Now, after hearing what teams have been saying, after they've been interviewing some of these players, some guys that weren't even going to stay in the draft, like Tyrell Terry out of Stanford. He was just testing the waters, and now he's a projected first-round pick. Hmm. I'm like, I mean, it's it's everywhere. You got Kyra Lewis from Alabama that no one knows who's climbing up draft boards. Um, Malachi Flynn out of San Diego State. So all three guys I put in my first round because those are three names that NBA teams are talking about right now because they've been so impressed by their basketball IQ tests that they've been taking and the way that they've been answering questions in these Zoom interviews. Is that true at the top five too? So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hearing you. People who might not have even considered going in the second round now are being considered, you know, towards the back end of the lottery. You got people like 12, 13, 14. But how about picks one through five? I mean, is there, have, have there been movement there too? Like the, that, that top five is not set in stone? I don't think the top five is set in stone. If you look at my mock draft, if you look at ESPN, if you look at Bleacher Report, if you look at the ringer, whoever, it's all different. Like it's the same cast of characters of about like 10 guys, but we all have it picked differently. And so is there a tier? Maybe, but I would say it's not like last year where we knew that it was, you know, Zion, Ja, and then RJ Barrett, one, two, and three. Like with this, it's like, I love Tyrese Halliburton. I think I have him ranked the highest, 
but I also think I've seen things in his game that other people haven't seen and that I think that he would be a good fit on, you know, on the Bulls or Charlotte at the three or four spot. Um, but other people might not see that. So what is the draft here? I think it's uh, 10. Oh, One to ten. Bonus. So I was going to ask you, and I realized it wasn't a right way to start the pod, but I was going to say, hey, be optimistic. You know what kind of a homer I am. I want you to hedge towards like, no, the Warriors got so lucky with the second pick. So I can't ask you to do that. I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I can ask you to be patient. So every time you break down that really the Warriors getting number two is not that much different than number 10, I may or may not cry. And I'm going to need you to be patient as that happens. Just, you know, just understand that I'm emotional right now. But honestly, the positive in this whole thing for the Warriors, they might have the number two pick, but they're going to they're gonna rule and they're going to run everything that happens in this draft with that one pick. If they trade down, then, you know, that means more teams are going to opt in for that second spot that want, you know, LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, whoever, you know, but if they keep it, then it's like, then you start wondering, are they going to package him? So whatever they do, all this, all the attention is going to be on the Warriors. And I mean, I know that's a lot to live up for, but they're in a great spot. It's a great problem to have. MT, were you excited when they announced it? When you were watching last night, what was your uh, immediate impression? I was. I mean, I was disappointed it wasn't the one pick because I'm still on the package, the one pick with Wiggins and, you know, Pascal and get Giannis back. But um, I was excited. I think the pressure of a number one pick, especially in this draft is immense. And, you know, there's a lot for that player to live up to. And um, I think having the number two pick and having that part of the pressure removed and having, you know, your choice of, I think there's a top three guys that everybody kind of shuffles around here. And I know KP has Wiseman a little lower in her latest mock, but, you know, like a lot of people talk about it, you know, between, Edwards, Ball, and Wiseman as like the top three picks. So having still the ability to have your pick get two of those three guys for any team, I think is super valuable. And I think Bob Myers loved it. I mean, obviously number one is great, but in some ways, number two is probably a little bit better. Do you still have a copy of the text message that Steph sent you last night saying, I've never been this more excited or fired up for anything in my life? <laughs> I do. You do. Okay, good. If you could send that to Kristen, man. Um, that would be helpful, I think, for, for all of us. Kristen, start telling us about these players. All right. So what I want to do, first, give us a list. Um, let's call it, start with three and then see if we want to explore more than that. But who are three players you think the Warriors should consider if they stay right at the top of the uh, of the draft and, and pick at number two? Okay, if they pick at number two, are they keeping number two? Yes. And if for okay. this question, they're picking number two, keeping number two, who should they consider? Okay, I'll, I'll give you three names. I'll say Obi Toppin, James Wiseman, and Tyrese Halliburton. Let's start with Wiseman because I've been thinking of you recently and here's why. So we, we talked about Wiseman for a while. Yeah. Um, and what you said is exactly what happened. So when we talked about him a while back, it was right after he was no longer going to play. Basketball hadn't been taken away from us forever. And what you said is there's going to be, a, you know, he's not going to be able to play. And then right before the draft, he's going to rocket back up draft boards because people are going to watch him play and his, or people are going to watch him work out and his workouts are going to be so impressive that he's going to go right back up towards the top. And since we talked to you, first Wiseman's name kind of disappeared for a while. He was moving down draft boards. Then about two weeks ago, 
some random footage of him working out, more specifically taking very smooth jump shots, started circulating. And now I'm seeing his name right back at the top of draft boards. Just like Marcus said, I'm seeing him go somewhere around uh, one through three. So let me start here. What's his stock? What are you hearing as far as his worth in GM's eyes? Is, is he a lock for the top three? Because in your recent mock, I think he slides all the way to six. Yeah, I mean, for this whole entire draft, uh, it's all about fit. And I know with the Warriors, you know, some, looking at someone like James would be a great addition to the team. Um, and he is a good player. And like you said, I mean, the fact that these these uh, clips are surfacing of him shooting so well should move him up. And they did that strategically. But, I mean, I, 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 th- I want to say uh, – that your GM for the Warriors, he said it uh, today to um, the media. He said um, something along the lines of like, uh, you don't hire someone over a virtual interview and pay them 30, $40 million. Ideally, you don't do that. You want to be able to get eyeballs on them and see them. And the thing that's going to knock James is he only played three games. And like, I talked to a couple scouts who have top picks and they're like, it scares us. Like we, we know what he is. We see his tangibles. We see what he is as a prospect, but he only played three games. Yep. So it's, it's tough to throw that sort of money at some player that, you know, didn't play a full season you agree and especially, and especially when there's no workouts. Are they right to be worried? I mean, cause you've seen him from before this year, should GMs be nervous because they don't have enough film on him? The only thing that would that would give me pause about James Wiseman is if you want to extend his game outside the three point line, it's not there yet. Like his pick and pop isn't polished. He's a great rim protect protector. He's great back to the basket. He's a great rebounder. But if you're looking for a big that's going to step out and knock down that, that extended jump shot, he's not there yet. Will it be there? I mean, so I can see if, if the Warriors took him right now, I can see him being basically a fancy JaVale McGee. He's a rim runner. He's, he's remarkably um, athletic. He'll be able to catch lobs at the rim. He'll probably be able to protect the rim. Those kind of things. Just use his physical talents immediately. But the other thing the Warriors kind of want, right? Like if they, if they keep this number two pick, the reason you're doing that is because you also want somebody who can take the baton from Steph and Clay in like five, six years um, when that title window closes. And then hopefully this guy opens up a new one. So let me ask it that way. Do you, in five or six years, do you think that Wiseman has the kind of talent to be the best player on a team? Uh, do you think DeAndre Ayton or Marvin Bagley will yeah. be the best player on the Suns or the Sacramento Kings? Yeah, there you go. I Why? mean, I'm sorry. It's- like, it's, it's the same thing. Like, DeAndre, I thought he was a franchise player and... He's just been an okay big in yep. the West. He's getting better, but it's taken some time. Yep. Um, give me ceiling for Wiseman. If everything worked out exactly as he wants it, what's a good player comparison? Best case scenario. Oh, man. I haven't done player comps in a while. I know I wrote an article about I mean, I guess Chris Bosh, because they're both lefties. They're very fluid in the open court. Um, that's the one that everyone says that, um, that Wiseman has a ceiling for is Chris Bosh. Yeah. Do you think he'll get there? If you had to bet a uh, a rent payment on it, on on whether or not Wiseman will be that good, what would you bet? Listen, I am not betting anything on any player in this draft <laughs> class. <laughs> I better scratch out this question because it was one I had for every single player. So I won't make it awkward for most of, um, 
let me let me put it this way: uh, How would he help the Warriors if they took him next year? What's his best skill set? Defense. Like he's a defensive presence in the lane. He's fine in like in the terms of on offensive end. His mid range game is there, um, but I just don't know. Like I haven't watched the Warriors enough to know: Are they going to stretch him out? You know, past the three. Like, do they with Steph? There's a lot of pick and roll sets. Like. I just don't know. I don't know how he would do in that role. Does but he, he could adjust. He's good enough. He he has a high basketball IQ. He could adjust. Uh, does he have the highest ceiling of of the possible players the Warriors could get if if they're looking for the person who can make a a huge difference? Do you think it's Wiseman who has the highest ceiling or no? Yes, but well, now I'm like in my mind, I'm thinking of LaMelo ball because yeah. he clearly has the highest ceiling in this entire draft class. But, yeah. um, but I don't know if they, they take LaMelo and keep him because he's just the third splash brothers, but then you got Steph who's 32. So maybe they do keep him. I don't know. There's so many scenarios. I'm glad I'm not in that front office to make this decision and it'll be fun. To see how yeah. it plays out. And I want to hear about Ball um, before I do. Marcus, Maxime, you boys on board for Wiseman? When we first talked about this guy, I was the person who was pretty bullish on him. Um, having heard Christian talk about him, thumbs up? What do you guys think? I think he adds a pretty unique uh, skill set overall. You know, it's the type of thing that we need, a defensive-minded big um, I think in general, it's got to be a, a dangerous decision to draft somebody like that. And and like I said earlier, I really don't think that he's going to be able to add the type of value that we need in this season. So, And I don't know if you would want to build a, a team around somebody like that going forward. So I don't know if those are our two top criteria, which it feels like they are. Um, it seems like a bad move. But I will say that I, I do appreciate some of his his extracurriculars, especially as it relates to something like a LaMelo ball. Like, it seems like he cares about things beyond basketball, which I just think is really important. You know, like he knows how to speak Mandarin and he like reads. Um, and those are two things that uh, I don't think are particularly characteristic of LaMelo. So I like that he's a well-rounded guy. I don't know if that means anything, but to me, it means something. And I wasn't ready to bring in the speaks Mandarin <laughs> argument. Um, that's nice, Maxime. Um, it's important, I, I right? Mean, you it mean? is. It is. It is. It's what I grade all my NBA players right. on. Um, it, to me, I, I wouldn't do it. I think I think he's a little too redundant for what Marquise Chris already brings us. Um, and we've already gotten him and kind of picked him out of, you know, like turmoil and kind of the teams have given up on him and we found a way to – bring him back into the league in a good way. Um, so I would go with um, Halliburton. You know, I had the, the chance to talk to KP a little bit before the mics went hot over the past couple of days. And, you know, when we were talking about it, she was in on him and had me juiced and looking into his potential. Um, so I just think, you know, if we're going to go with a pick that, you know, helps us from the wing standpoint, which to me is – what you need in this league now. I just think Halliburton is a underrated player. And even though he's shooting up the boards, I still think he has a lot of polish and um, can contribute right away to a team, which is what we need and isn't quite as redundant as um, Wiseman would be. Do you, let's, let's talk Tyrese. Do you think that Halliburton is someone they should consider at that top half of the draft? Or is that a player they might be able to get if they move down? I'm looking at your mock draft. You have him at four. Yeah. 
I don't know how much millions of dollars are between two and four. I don't think he's a top two pick, but stranger things have happened. He, yeah. I just spent uh, four days in Vegas watching him work out. And when I say he's the real deal in terms of off the court, everyone loves him. On the court, he's a hard worker. He's a competitor. High release on his jump shot. It's a very like, he, he has an unorthodox jump shot, just sort of like he's been compared to Lonzo Ball, right? Uh, he's not Lonzo. He's better than Lonzo. Um, but just the way he shoot, his shooting mechanics, but they go in. He shot 41% from three and 50% from the field this year before he broke his wrist at Iowa State. You know, he was the best player in uh, in whatever that tournament was, the, the Bahamas tournament in the beginning of the season. He killed it there. and And so for me to see him from his freshman year to his sophomore year to now he's He's always been skinny, but now he's 185 pounds, which is a solid frame right before the draft. Um, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. And I was talking to not an NBA scout, but somebody else that scouts players, evaluators, I guess. And they said he th- that he thinks he's the best prospect in this class. Has he been working on Mandarin at all? <laughs> he does not speak Mandarin. Why did that scout or that not scout say he was the best prospect in the class? What, what was the rationale behind it? In terms of, so he's still super young. He's raw. He's got a lot of growth in terms of putting more muscle mass on his frame, but he's super quick and long. He can defend all three positions on the wing. He's got a great uh, just sight for passing. Like he's great in the open court. I would say the ISO situation is something that he needs to work on. I saw a couple drills where you know, he was having trouble getting shots off on guys that were a little bit longer than him, you know, trying to create space and step back three situations. But um, just looking at him and knowing how young he is, his work ethic, and uh, how much he wants it, that can go a long way in a long NBA career, you know, where things can kind of get clouded a little bit in terms of priorities. He seems, if we were talking about Wiseman as a ceiling guy, he still has some, you know, growth to to show, but if he actually achieves what he's capable of, his ceiling is really high. When you're talking about Halliburton, it sounds like he's a floor guy, that he's going to come in. You know that he is going to be able to contribute um, like immediately um, and that his skill set is already a little bit more developed than Wiseman, at least for, uh, for a rookie next year. Am I hearing that right? No, and that's true. And I think people, wherever he goes um, in the top five, six, seven spots or whatever, um, I think people are going to see him in highlights next season and they're going to be like, who is this kid? Where did he play? Iowa state. How come I never saw who is he? You know, cause that's just kind of like, you don't expect to see it because he looks like such such a like unassuming type player. And then you see him on the court do things that you didn't know he could do. And you're like, well, what, wait, what? (laughs) It's a good, it's a good problem to have. It's a very good problem to have. Uh, Tell me about LaMelo. So you have LaMelo at, in this, in this mock draft I'm looking at, you have the Warriors taking him at two um, I do. and in there, you also, the last line of your analysis is quote, the Warriors could trade this pick because they have an elite backcourt and are in a win now mode. But tell me about him as a prospect. Uh, what's, what's LaMelo's ceiling? How good of a player can he become? He can be, when I tell you, like, we don't know what LaMelo can be. I'm serious. Like people hear Trey and Steph comparisons because he can shoot 
And I guess now you got to put Dame Lillard in there too, because he can shoot from wherever. Um, and, but the way he sees the floor, his passing is phenomenal. Like he was on the worst team in the NBL and he still averaged, I want to say over eight assists a game. But if his teammates were any good at basketball, he would have, he would have averaged maybe 13, 14 assists a game. I was there for his two triple double games over in Australia. And just the way he played the game was, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised because it was such a step up from everything that I saw at Chino Hills when he played with his brother sure. and at Spire Academy when he came back from Lithuania. Um, so I think it was a step in the right direction and I think he can only go up from here. Does he need the ball? So I've, I've watched some highlights of his, um, a lot of your descriptions have gotten me way more interested in him and his size, him being six, seven really speaks to me. But the one thing that everybody says, like the, the biggest skill set that we hear about is his unbelievable dribbling prowess that the, the ball is like an extra appendage. But what that screams is in order for him to be successful, he's going to need the ball in his hands. And as of right now, I'd prefer that ball to be in Steph's hands, right? So, yeah. like, does it make sense? And, and, you know, I guess that gets right into your last line. They already have a good backcourt. Does it make sense for the Warriors to consider drafting him to keep him? Or does it only really make sense if they were considering Melo, it's because they're considering trading him somewhere else? I think if they keep Melo, they're considering a trade. I think they're going to consider every option. I Like, honestly, Melo, when, when you say he needs a hand in his, or he needs a ball in his hand, He's one of those guys, he gets the rebound. First thing he's looking is up the court. Hmm. He's looking to make that surefire pass up the court. So it's not necessarily him having to have the ball. If he gets the ball on the wing in a pick and roll situation, he's just as deadly if he's bringing the ball up, you know, and someone comes up. So I think he could adapt to playing the two. I mean, shoot, he played alongside Lonzo his whole life and Lonzo had the ball in his hand. Sure. So he's had that. He's, I think it was more of an adjustment for him to go from sidekick to Lonzo to being the point guard and being yeah. the guy that was the facilitator. And now he's going to have to transfer back to that if he stays at number two to the Warriors. That's really interesting. I mean, the, a, a guy who was brought up in the spotlight, but brought up in the spotlight as the little brother, you know, it could actually be the best case scenario as far as a mentality if he stays on the Warriors. I don't think he will, but that combination is interesting because he'd be used to all of the fanfare that came with him being the number two pick and then going to the Splash Brothers. But he would also be used to taking a back seat because he's always been the little brother kind of deal. Right. Um, well, on top of that, I think it's really important to, to remember that he also has um, a cross lasered onto his bottom canine. So you know that the <laughs> dynamic between him and Steph um, is going to be a little bit more important. And I think that might win out over what I suspect is a lack of at least Lithuanian um, of any sort of bilingualism. So uh, pros and cons <laughs> there, but I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's worth considering. Are you still considering laser engraving things into your teeth? I know that that was on the table earlier this year. Has has the COVID changed those plans? Or are you still going for yeah, it? Yeah, well, I'm still trying to do the math to figure out how many letters um, Steph Curry is and whether or sure. not that would fit along the bottom row. But I think it could be really nice. Because then I might Steph be able to make it top. into the NBA. Ooh, no, then, go Steph up top and then Curry on the bottom. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you'll probably never be employed again, but uh, it would be a hell of a gimmick. Not even on this show because we're a podcast. So no, it'll just be for you. <laughs> Obi Toppin, Kristen. Um, yeah. That was another name you gave. Tell me about Obi. Um, and let me start here. 
give me a player comp. And I, I know you don't like doing them, but I didn't watch Obi for very long. And I need, uh, I don't know, I need some parameters to think of his game. Oh my gosh. Now you're like, I, I literally, I wrote this article now. I'm hold on. I got to search this. Um, because, uh, like I write this stuff and I do the research and then I forget about it too. What I say, what, who, who's comp is what, um, but just to talk about his tangibles, I mean, we're talking about a guy who had an Anthony Davis, like growth spurt. Like we've talked about this where he grew seven inches in four years. He was a guard in high school. So he had a killer outside jumper. And then you add the height to that and he's just he's he's deadly like he shot i want to say 50 percent from three for the last half of the season and he was the player of the year in college basketball by far the most entertaining player to watch even though i had to watch dayton you know which was <laughs> which wasn't which wasn't fun but um i really like obi i know a lot of warriors fans like obi i know you guys we've talked about how much we like him um but what do you like about him as I find this article I wrote? <laughs> well, I remember this guy, um, the oversimplification when we first talked about all these players was that if they wanted a possible superstar, but one who doesn't immediately fit into the, the team as currently constructed, it's ball. If they want a shooter, if they want somebody who can immediately contribute from the outside, it's Obi Toppin. If they want somebody who can protect the rim almost immediately mm-hmm. and be a rim runner, it's, um, it's Wiseman. So, I mean, we've, I've always thought of these guys in larger categories, but I don't know about their specific um, skill sets. And I'm, I'm looking at your description of Obi Toppin here. And what you said is that uh, he's a little bit older was the only downside you pointed at him. Do you, is it, that, it is. Yeah. Um, and that's like a huge deal for some of these NBA teams. When you look at a guy that's like 22 and a half, going to be 23 playing in the league, and you got little Lamelo Ball who's turning 19 this week, like that's four extra years you potentially get out of a player. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, and that it also suggests that they could, if you're looking at someone who's 18 as opposed to 22, there's another four years of just sheer growth. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe LaMelo Ball becomes one hell of an outside shooter, even though he hasn't actually been so yet because he's got another four years of practice and, and putting his shooting stroke back together. Yeah. Um, in terms of player comp, I found the article. Uh, <laughs> we did it. I we vamped it. long I enough. Bam. Yeah, yeah. I want you to know that I'm uh, sweating. I was trying so hard, like literally like sweating <laughs> through my shirt as you looked that up. So we got there. All right. I know. Uh, but I said he's very similar to, I mean, if we're talking about current players, he's very similar to the Denver Nuggets forward Paul Millsap. Hmm. I'll take you know, that. Who okay. can knock it down from three, but also make good, he makes good reads inside. Um, and it was very, like, it reminded me a lot of what Dayton was doing or what Dayton, what Obi Toppin was doing at Dayton. The person you haven't mentioned is Anthony Edwards. Is that because you are like positive he goes to Minnesota at one and just will not be there for the Warriors? Yeah. I mean, I don't love it. I did, we, we, you, you said you, I, I did a video today and I had to do it on the top five draft picks. And, <laughs> and, and like talking about Anthony Edwards going number one, like it is the safest pick it makes the most sense for Minnesota unless they want, unless there's some, there's another team. And I mentioned the Atlanta Hawks, if they really, really want um, Anthony Edwards to play alongside Trey young, they might trade up for him. So then like, cause Minnesota has three picks in this draft, so they can totally build off some of the other players that sure. are, that are left on the board. Um, but with Anthony, I mean, you can't deny his, what he looks like as a prospect. Like when I told you, when I, when I hugged him, it's like, 
I felt like I bounced off him a little bit because he's, he's built like a rock and you know, like it, it's, he looks like a wide receiver, but he strokes the ball so well. I mean, if anybody, if you want like a glimpse of to what his ceiling is, all you have to do is watch the second half of the Michigan state game in Hawaii where he had 33 points, including seven threes and completely took over the entire game. Like it was incredible. Give me a couple other names. Um, I shouldn't have asked you about how good the player the Warriors definitely cannot get is. You know, um, I that wasn't optimistic. Now I feel like we're missing out like entirely. <laughs> so give me a couple of other names, some other people who the Warriors or who we should research um, and who the Warriors might be able to pick up at the two spot. Um, at the two spot. Oh, I mean, I think that's it. I don't think Onyeka yeah. Okongwu goes number two. Um, I don't think Denny goes up to number two. Denny Aviaz goes up to number two. Um, so those would be more of like if they wanted to trade down to the four, five, six range, you could pick up Big O, who, you know, a lot of people are comparing him to Bam Adebayo and, and what Bam has been doing this season is really helping uh, Onyeka because um, they're kind of built the same and they have a similar playing style. I think Bam is a much better shooter, but um, if you want another presence in the lane, someone who can disrupt on defense, he second to Wiseman is the best defender in this draft mm. class. Well, we are going to, um, as part of my pitch to try to keep you and perhaps even get you back next week. I want to talk about this second half of the people, but for the top half, then it would be Anthony Edwards, but they're not going to have a shot at him realistically. So that leaves Wiseman, Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halliburton. Mm hmm. And am I, so essentially, if they stay up top, those are the guys the Warriors would probably be taking a look at. Taking a look at and keeping. Yeah. I think uh, they I take a hard look at Lomelo to try to package him for something. If you were Bob Myers or you were advising Bob Myers, let's say Bob gives you a call right now. Um, first thing he tells you is, I just got off the phone with Steph and he had the time of his life last night. Really weird. He just loved it. <laughs> but then the second thing is like, look, Kristen, I, I need your advice. Um, and first, I just need a direction, like not even who to pick. I just need to know what to do. Should I stay up top here? Should I move down? Or should I look for a superstar um, and trade out of the draft? What would your advice be? If I am giving honest and true advice, I want nothing to do with the top of this draft. Yep. There is a lot of value and you can save a lot of money in getting a role player, you know, further down the draft and just try to go after someone big in free agency. Yeah. And, and if I'm hearing you right, what you're saying is you're going to get a role player at the back end of the draft and they might be just as good as the person you yes. got it to, you know, so <laughs> you might as well take that shot. I um, think that, um, that, I mean, that's key for us, right. Or for the warriors, right. Like whoever they draft is not going to supplant anybody in the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. Like you have Steph Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and probably Chris or Looney starting. So you're drafting for a sixth man or, seventh player off the bench to make a difference and you just look at the past you know like the history in the past 10 years of who's won six man of the year award it's all guards except for lamar odom in 2010 you know and maybe harold shares it with lou williams again but williams is still a guard so i think that player off the bench in today's league has to be a guard and that's why somebody like Halliburton to me makes sense again right. maybe he's too high at the two slot but I could see them trading down with a Chicago team maybe that you know mm -hmm. just switched coaches and they have the four picks so maybe you trade your two and 
um, get back to four and like a Chris Dunn or somebody like that. Like I could see them moving out and then picking up, you know, like Denny or somebody that they hope can have a big impact off the bench because they don't need a starter. Or if what you need is rim protection and that's why you're looking at Wiseman, go back to the eight slot with the Knicks and get back somebody like Mitchell Robinson, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But the the thing that kind of sucks, and this is just an oversimplification, if there's something less sexy than trading out of the top half of the draft, I don't know what it is, you know? And like <laughs> what they're trying to do is win a championship. What you guys are describing is this thing will help them win a championship. This is the right move. But it's still frustrating to watch a burger season for a series of months have them get a top pick as a reward for it and then immediately go, yeah, yeah, we got two. Now let's make sure we move down to four or five. You know, like I, I, get, <laughs> I get what you guys are saying, but it's not sexy. Um, and I also know, Christian, that this would not be your advice. You just explained why they should move down. But if Bob then answered you and said, look, I heard you. I'm not listening. I am staying at two. I want to make a pick at two. Who should I pick? What would your advice be? I know what I like. My advice would be take Obi or Tyrese Halliburton, but I know probably what other people are saying is take James Wiseman. And why? Give me Just both because, of those. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because when you look at the pedigree of James Wiseman and um, just like, what he does off the court, right? He's not going to be a locker room problem, but he was also the number one player in high school. He played for Team USA. Like he had all these accolades coming up to it. McDonald's All-American, uh, Hoop Summit, Nike Hoop Summit. So if you just look back just two short years, yep. he's still showing that promise. And the fact that he only played three games and in this unprecedented time of this draft where it's been postponed for so long, I could see a team overlooking only those three games and being like, you know what? I, I think we can make him be something. That, what you just described is what this draft is lacking. It's lottery tickets. It's people who like, oh, maybe this person is going to be like this huge yeah. talent, you know, but, you, but you're never sure of it, um, which is why the approach that you're talking about is probably the smart one. Ah, gosh. Uh, well, fair enough. Before I've got an, another question for you, and it's an embarrassing one, and I'm going to have to bear my soul to you a little bit, Christian. So before I do, let's first make sure I've covered all angles. MT, Maxime, are there things we have not talked about, at least as far as uh, the players we have discussed or players we haven't discussed that you guys would like to know? I would just add for Obi Toppin. To me, he reminds me a lot of what um, Aaron Gordon brings. And I know that's somebody that we talked about trying to target with our um, player exception deal. So from the Iguodala trade. So in my mind, I still think that that happened somehow. Orlando has been playing well. I mean, they already took one from Milwaukee and Aaron Gordon is not even playing. Yep. So, you know, I mean, the, the injury to Jonathan Isaac makes it a little trickier. But I just wonder if if Gordon is available and we target him with that um, trade exception, and then we still get some of those names or one of those names we talked about with the mid-level, then to me, Obi Toppin becomes a little bit redundant as well. And I still think um, he's not the best fit and we would definitely trade down. So I think, you know, to Kristen's earlier point, Bob Myers has a lot of different ways to go and he's probably, you know, like just it's going to get more and more complicated the more he thinks about it. But I think Obi is an athletic four who can shoot the ball and that's exactly what the player we're already going after and can kind of prove it at the pro level already does yeah right and i mean that 
what I was hoping is we would hear so much from Kristen about the possible lottery ticket status of some of these players. <laughs> there was, there was a real reason for the Warriors to stay up at the top of the draft. If, if what the Warriors are trying to do is twofold, try to lengthen the championship window of Steph and Clay, and then create a new championship window with whatever it is they're able to bring in over the next couple of years, then you would stay at the top if you had somebody who had that, that lottery ticket status because they would do both for you. They'd help you right in the beginning and they could help you down the line. But if there is no you know, possible superstar here, or put differently, there isn't somebody who's going to create his own championship window down the line, and it's not somebody who Steph can pass the baton to, then what we're doing during this draft is just trying to lengthen the Splash Brothers, right? And now you're talking about a role player. So you would move down um, or you would trade out. But We'll explore both of those possibilities down the line. Let me give uh, you guys some stats quickly and then on to my embarrassing question. So here are the players we've talked about. Let me give you some of their logistics. Anthony Edwards, the guy we're probably not going to see, is a freshman 6'5", 225-pound guard who averaged uh, about 19 points per game, five rebounds, and 2.8 assists. We talked about LaMelo, 6'7", 180 pound. I don't – what position does he play, Christian? Because 6'7 suggests small forward, but I know he's – No, been, he's a point guard. He's yeah, a point, point guard. Or a lead guard, I guess they like to call him now. 17 points per game against people who could not play basketball, to uh, quote Christian. Seven and a half rebounds, seven assists per game. Um, Obi Toppin, we've talked about, 6'9", 220. I won't belabor his stats. And then James Wiseman is 7'1", 240 also a freshman, and in the eight seconds of basketball he played in college, he averaged 19 and 10. All right, Kristen. Well, so wait a minute. So especially because we don't have the tape from like a March Madness, I think you left out a really important stat, which is languages. I want to know, does anybody else, like, because if somebody speaks Cantonese, I've heard that's a little bit harder than Mandarin, and I think that might push somebody up the board, so... And I wasn't going to say this, Kristen, but I was reading these stats from your article, and there is nothing in here about languages spoken. So, I mean, you can get your shit together a little bit. I will say this. Uh, LaMelo did, he called me mate, which is like, he's like, hey, how you doing, mate? So, he speaks Australian, all right? Let's let's give him a little credit here. (laughs) Well, the fact that you knew that and didn't include it in his draft profile only (laughs) makes me angrier. I mean, you have the information, and you're just holding it in pocket. We already talked about all the hate I get anytime I do a mock draft. Imagine if I put that. They already, they're all, every, everyone. I put LaMelo up at, if I put LaMelo at 18, people would be like, oh, get out of here. He's not getting drafted. You know, they just, you, they love to hate on him. If you listen really closely, you can hear Maxime right now deleting his anonymous comment where he was like, where the hell are the languages spoken? I thought for sure it would be right here. So. This changes everything. Yeah, just ignore Wait, that. Wait, can I? Can I tell you a fun fact now that we're on languages? So Rui Hachimura, who's Japanese and played at Gonzaga, um, the way he he came over, he came over to the States, he didn't know any English. And the way he learned English is he watched Netflix. He watched Friends and Seinfeld. And his teammates said that it was it was so it was so funny because if he saw something like on Friends, like Joey Tribbiani always used to say, "How you doing?" Like he would see Rui do that to like girls on campus, and I thought it was like hilarious. 
I love the idea that like he was just an amalgamation of personalities he had learned from Seinfeld and Friends. Yeah. Because, because even though they are both thirty minute sitcoms, they couldn't be from more diametrically opposite like you know uh, personality traits. Like Larry David is an asshole, and I love him. You know the and the people on Friends were not at all. So I imagine that Rui's teammates were like, dude, like, are you hell of nice? Or are you just a dick? Because whenever I talk to you, you're one or the other. There's never anything in between. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you this story, Chris. I know we've, we've kept you longer um, than we promised, so I'll try to make it fast. And what I need is advice at the, the back end of this. Let me give you some background because what's going on is I'm arguing with my wife and I need you to tell me if she's being ridiculous or if I'm wrong. So the background. Generally speaking, Chris, I'm pretty good about showing some kind of restraint on what I eat during the day. Like I don't go crazy during lunch. I'm not like a huge breakfast guy. Like I'm pretty good about it. But after around 8 p.m., the wheels, they fall off. I become like a uh, like a truffle pig. You know, like how people get pigs and go out into the forest and like they use those pigs to like find specific mushrooms. I become like that in my kitchen. <laughs> I wander around looking for small little dessert foods and just attack them. I'll, I'll eat like a peanut butter or a spoonful of peanut butter drenched in honey. I'll eat just like a random handful of chocolate chips that we were supposed to be saving to make cookies. Like I've got no pride <laughs> at all. It just goes down. And I've been doing for it, it, it months now, probably years, long enough where I've become really embarrassed by it. Because when I do it, my wife's in the room. Um, the way my house is set up is our kitchen and our living room is basically one big great room. So if she's watching TV, I am behind her while she's sitting on the couch stuffing my face and she's looking forward watching the TV and she knows what's happening, but it's still embarrassing. So I've started to lie to her, Christian, but that's the wrong way to put it. I give myself an excuse. I say something like, hey, I'm going to get some water. Do you want some water? And then I go over there and I eat like a maniac. All right. So there's our backdrop. Today on my way out, my wife casually mentioned, I think it's weird that you lie to me every night about what you're eating. And I immediately fought with her because I don't feel like I'm lying. She knows what I'm doing. You know, the word lie is a nasty word in a relationship. So, Christian, having heard this entire thing, am I wrong to throw out that first comment of, oh, I'm about to go get some water? Am I literally lying to my wife? Or is it, an, I don't know, an acceptable cover story, let's call it? Why don't you just like hide the food in another room and leave completely? So like she doesn't see you. You don't know that she sees that you're there and that you feel guilty about eating food late at night. But no, she is right. It's probably like super annoying to you her. You that you do. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I, I, I have an answer to that too, but I'll go ahead. Yes. Super annoying to her. Yeah. And she's, she's probably just like, she probably rolls her eyes every time you're like, Oh, you want some water? And she's like, what is he, is he eating now? Like, yeah. Feel, Do you know, feel, my, you have a camera my, set up in my house because that is literally exactly <laughs> what happens. And I'll have, you know, that I used to sneak out and then I would come back and she'd go, you obviously smell like peanut butter. So she knew what the hell was happening. And then <laughs> also, don't do that. I was once in the kitchen. She came in and turned on the light while I was eating out of the peanut butter uh, jar. And it was like being a dog caught on the floor. Like I, like I just froze there until she left the room. Like it, was, it wasn't a really a good look. Do you know what? The reason why I can semi-relate to this story is because I've been spending time in Utah with uh, my brother and his family. And he's got, this is, this is way different than you though. He's got a 13-year-old growing 
boy, you know, my, my nephew, AJ, and he's constantly at eight thirty nine 9 o'clock at night, rummaging through the pantry, eating I like food. Kid. I like this. And kid. I'm just like, I'm like, there's, it's so bad for you to eat right before you go to sleep. Nothing happens. It just sits there. I don't understand it. What, but what I, also, you, I mean, yeah. What you don't know, Kristen, is he's just super thirsty. He's hell of thirsty in there and <laughs> he's just getting some water. Yes. It is what it is. Don't you blame him or judge him. I like this kid. You tell him he needs to come on the show immediately. I know. I won't tell you where he is in the power rankings, but he's high up there. <laughs> Which, now you are stealing my last question. We got, <laughs> I, I put out to the world. Um, we are having Kristen on. If you have any questions about the draft, please hit me. And we got a hell of a lot of responses. And in fact, we've burned through a lot of those uh, during today's pod. But one of them was, have Kristen give us her power rankings on her nieces and nephews. I love judging family members. So if you do, in fact, have a power ranking, I do. I do. Oh, let's hear I it. do have a power ranking. All right. So I've got eight nieces and nephews between my brother and sister. My brother's got five kids. My sister has three kids. Um, it goes, and, and there's been some movement at the top. It was the eight, it was the eight year old Shea for a really long time, but now spending time with my brother, the 11 year old Vivi is she's, she's reclaimed. She's number one. So did Shea piss you off? Shea. Did Shea piss you um, off or did Vivi? Then it goes my like... sister's. No, no, no. Vivi just got like, Vivi's just cool. She like cooks all the time. And like, I don't know. She gave me one of the, like the, the funniest lines ever. Cause, uh, I, someone said like one of my, the nieces said, isn't it great having Aunt Kristen here during this quarantine time? And Vivi goes, well, I don't know. She's single and living in her brother's basement. Oh. <laughs> I, was like, I, looked, I was like, that is respect. That is respect, Viv. I love it. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd move up the rankings too. Yeah, go ahead. Finish out the rankings. Okay. And then, uh, and then it goes my 13-year-old nephew, uh, my five-month-old, or my five-month-old nephew, my sister's kid who I can hear, who I don't know at all because we've been in quarantine for five months. <laughs> um, and then like the five and seven-year-old, which are just like, I wake up in the morning and I have to mentally prepare for what they're going to say to me because they just tell me everything that is on their mind right at like seven thirty in the morning. And I'm like, uh, what is happening? I'm not ready for this. So do you know how much I love the description of, so the five month old, I don't know at all. I don't know anything <laughs> about him. And then, and then you give me two people below the five month old who you know nothing about. It's like, no, this person who's just a complete blank slate is still above two other people. I, which he's so is, cute. Oh. He's so cute. <laughs> Kristen, you were amazing. Um, I really appreciate it. And I know I'm not alone in thinking it. If there are others out there who need more of your content or who just want to drop anonymous threats and nasty things on your articles, where should they go? Oh, yeah, please. Um, <laughs> you can read all my stuff on Yahoo Sports, usually the NBA or college basketball tab, or you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Kristen Peek. And hopefully you can find her here again really soon to talk about the second half of this draft for us. You know where to find us at Warriors Huddle is Twitter. If you want to drop a take on anything, you can drop it to warriorshuddle at gmail.com. If you are one of the people who supports us on Patreon, impossible for me to tell you how much I appreciate that. And if you are considering uh, joining that elite group, hop up on Patreon, search for Warriors Huddle, rather, and you'll find us pretty quickly. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully we'll see you next week.
Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Every day, We rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.